it's important that, and they told me that feeling is good, that nervousness, because it makes me depend on the Holy Spirit and not on me. So with that, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come to you again this morning, Lord, to speak about you, about your love, about your grace, and about your plan for us since the very beginning. Throughout history and, man, and the time of man put on the earth, we have thought that this was supposed to be maybe our way. That you gave us something for us to do whatever we wanted to do with it. But in fact, your plan was always for us to have fellowship with you. You never asked us for anything else except for us to love you. And Lord, forgive us for making it about everything else. Today, Lord God, I know that you want to speak to your people. You speak to me. And all you want us to know is that you dwell and you love us still. Even before the world was made, you knew that we would be here and we would be called your children. Father, we love you and we praise you and we depend only on your Holy Spirit, the guidance teacher, to speak through me today. Be glorified in everything that I say. These words always come from you and they point only to you. Father, we love you and we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So, like, like I was saying, God has always loved and cared for his creation. And he never asked us for anything except for us to love him. He continues to love and wait for us, and he dwells with us as Emmanuel. And we know that Emmanuel means God with us. So he is Emmanuel in the person of Jesus Christ. Last year, in a, last year about this time, people were gathering with loved ones, eating, drinking, and having parties. All seemed to be what we call normal. There was traveling, work going well, planning for the next house and car, or whatever it was that we were talking about doing the next month or the next year. But then suddenly, this was interrupted, and what Jesus predicted about the beginning of pain began this year. This year, in all the world, not just the U.S., but in all the world, this pandemic or plague, whatever you want to call it, appeared and so many people began to get sick and then die. Some got, some got it and were healed by God's grace. And some are still recovering or getting sick. Many of us found ourselves being laid off, losing jobs, homes, and our material possessions. Some hopes and dreams were put on halt by God so that our attention would return to his original plan for our lives with him. And you know what that plan has always been? In big, bold letters. Fellowship. Fellowship. Intimacy with the Lord. God made us for us to love him. Everything else he gave us. But he made us for the most important thing, to keep our eyes on him, to love him. He wants an intimate relationship with his church, to return 
come back. Come back to spending time with God. Maybe many of us are not even taking out that time in the morning. The first fruits of your day might be when you first pick up your phone. Or you're more concerned about what you're going to be doing in the next hour, two hours. Maybe job is the most important thing in your mind at the moment. God comes after, after you've done everything else. Well, brush your teeth first. But maybe everything else comes first. And the first person that should be on your mind, I kid you not. I don't know, but this happens to me a lot. Before I open my eyes, I'm already conscious of the Lord. I'm conscious of him. Like, thank you, you know, for waking me up. Thank you for another day. You know, or a song is playing in my head. Some worship song that I was listening to before, and I wake up singing it. I look at Nancy and say, man, I woke up singing this song, and I'm singing it. And uh, it's a good thing. It's a good thing. Before I used to wake up, and my first thought was, you know, that drug that I was going to throw in my veins or something else. But today, the Lord has changed that. So today I want to take you on a journey to the book of Genesis, chapter 1 and 2. Genesis stands for many beginnings, not just one. It's many beginnings. As you yourselves will learn with me today. But in the first couple chapters, you will see God's original plan. Many of you probably say, oh, I read that book before. Did you really look into the book? You can read a book. But if you don't look into it, you haven't seen the story. You have not. Because you're just reading. So, let us start with Genesis, the first verse. Genesis 1-1 says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Period. Creation marks the absolute beginning of the temporal, the temporary universe. Okay? And everything. Everything that started with time. We learn with the first few verses that God created the, the original heavens and earth from nothing. It is in plain, bold letters in your word. But who is this God? Who is this God? Genesis 1-2 says, the earth was formless. That God formed with his own hands the mass, the earth, that was without form and had no life on it. This clearly shows that there is no theory of evolution. For those of you that went to school, I never understood how the monkey turned into a man. I'm still waiting for a monkey to turn into a human being. I haven't seen it. I haven't seen it. But it, was, it never made sense in my mind. Maybe to some people, but not to me. God spoke things into existence by his powerful word. And you know who this word is? Jesus Christ. And also with his hands. I think of God as this awesome, gigantic being, right? Because it says, when you read in Genesis, it says that God set, like, the, the actual balls of the sun and the moon. It says God put them there. 
he put stuff. So I know he spoke the light into being, but we must understand too, right, that in verse 3, when God said, let there be light, isn't, it isn't until the fourth day that God creates the sun, the moon, and the stars. Pay attention to the details. The light was a light that we don't know. All we know is that it, it lit up. But the sun and the moon and the stars weren't created until the fourth day. So we're looking at, at, at verse 2 and 3, and um, it shows us very clearly how awesome God is. But who is this God, you might ask? Full of love, and who is love? God in the Hebrew Bible is Elohim. Elohim. I don't know if you guys remember when Jesus was on the cross. He said Eloi, right? Father. Eloi is father. But Elohim is plural, which means more than one. So that means that um, more than one means that more than one was involved in creation. And I'm going to show you. So Elohim appears 2,570 times in the Old Testament times. So that name is really, really important. It's very important. The God who created in Genesis 1 is actually Elohim. Another meaning for, for Elohim is the highest being to be feared. Elohim, high and mighty. This high and mighty one is actually God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. They are all, in fact, God. They make the Trinity. The plural word Elohim indicates that there is not only a trinity of beings, but they are one in spirit. That means that they all agree together for the same plan and purpose. I don't want to lose anybody. Elohim is God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. When you look at that word God, G-O-D, in capital letters, it's the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And they all are God. Verse 1 and 2 says, And the earth was formless, and darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God moved and hoovered over the surface of the deep, the waters. With, without form means it had no shape. It had no shape. Just a piece of mass. That's all it was. And void means it didn't have any life content. It didn't have no life. This darkness was not sin. I've heard a lot of people in the past preach and so it, it, there was darkness. There was sin. No, there was no sin because sin doesn't come into to the world until Adam and Eve mess with the tree. So it's not sin. It's just the absence of light. It had no light. Now, I want to show you something about the Trinity. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit involved in creation. God the Father, to put it in our terms, God the Father told Jesus to speak into his existence the master plan of what they had purposed in eternity past. And we see the Holy Spirit's creativity as he waits for Jesus to speak, because it, it, it's hoovering. He's hoovering over the water like a hen 
who is ready to bring forth her chicks as she lays on her eggs. So the Holy Spirit is there, ready, waiting for the word, for Jesus Christ to speak. And it was about to happen. Verse John 1.3, to make this clear, the Gospel of John, chapter 1, verse 3 says, God created everything through Jesus, and nothing was created except through Jesus. In the word, we, we read, and in him, through him, the word, which is Jesus, God created everything. He brought everything through existence, because if you, if, if you look at, at, at 1 John, you would read it, if you replace word with Jesus, in the beginning was Jesus, and Jesus was with God, and Jesus was God. He was with God in the beginning, and God created through Jesus everything, and without Jesus, nothing was created. That's how God makes it clear for us. So when Jesus spoke, the creativity of the Holy Spirit made it happen or appear. Remember, they are together. Whatever that master plan is, all three bring it to pass. Remember that the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are one in agreement. They're one in essence, and they are one in being. They are one. Why am I stressing this? Because there is a lot of confusion out there about who God is. <clears throat> and sometimes we hear people talk about Jesus as though he was just some mere man. And I even seen in Bibles where where sons should be in capital letters, and it has a little letter. And where the Holy Spirit should have a big capital letters, and it has a little H and S. Or God is written with a little G. I don't like it. Not for my God. You know, who is big and, res and deserves those big, bold letters. So the big G-O-D, again, stands for the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We, we got to make that clear. But I want to show you. I'm not going to go through all the verses of Genesis. But I want to I wanna explain to you that there is seven, that there is uh, uh, um, seven things that, will, that we will find in the beginning of Genesis. When you have time, read it. You will see that God announces. Right? How does he announce? When it says, and God said. That's an announcement. God said is an announcement. Two, he says <clears throat> he has a creative command when he says, let there be. So God says, let there be, and that's the second thing you'll find. Three, you will find a summary of accomplishment because once God, let me put it like this. It's like God says when he said, let there be light, right? So God saw, before it came forth, God saw what he said. And then he said what, and then he saw what he said. So God said what he saw, and then it appeared. Does that make sense to you guys? So it is, it is, it is an accomplishment. No, number three is an accomplishment. When it was so, the light appeared. Number four is a description that you will find there of accomplishment. When what God said to happen, the earth brought forth. All this is in the book of Genesis. Number five, you will find a descriptive blessing after he makes all the animals and all the creepy things and the fish in the sea and the birds of the air. He blesses them. He says, go, be fruitful, 
and multiply. So that is the blessing, the first blessing you see on, on, uh, given by God. Then you will find an evaluative approval when God says, it is good. It is good. And then seven, you will see a concluding temporal framework numbering each day. Note that it's on the cross of Jesus Christ where Jesus says, it is finished. It is finished. Everywhere in the Old Testament, in the Pentateuch, that's the Hebrew Bible, the word day is literally a solar, a solar day, meaning that our awesome God created the temporal realm and universe in six literal 24-hour days. It's a lot, right? When you look around you and you see the sky, when the, when the moon appeared, when the sun is out, right? You're like, wow, man, these two things are out at the same time. I thought it would only show up at night, but God is awesome like that. But when God created all those things, you know what he was thinking about? He was thinking about day number six. Day number six. And this is the heart of this message. This is the heart of it because day number six is the reason why God created. You know what day number six brought? You and me. You and me. Everything you see around you, God created for you and me and for his plans and for his purposes. He made this planet to sustain the life that, it, that will live upon it. From the lights in the heaven to the, to the needs of every living thing that will crawl upon it. God made sure that it had the life and everything it needed to sustain it. God in his great love created everything for us. So you see in Genesis 1 through 26, like I said, I won't read everything, but take time to read God's word. Except in verse, verse 22, like I said earlier, where God blesses the animals, the birds, the fish in the sea, and every creeping thing. He was preparing us for um, day number six. So, in verse, in Genesis 1.26, it says, let us, that us, you will see the Trinity. Let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over the cattle and, and over every creeping living that creeps upon the earth. Here you see the Trinity, God, like I told you, three persons, but one God. In the word us, it shows you very clearly, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Contrary to the animals, contrary to the animals and the, and the waters where God said, let the earth bring forth these things, right? Contrary to that, because the, the earth brought forth the animals and the birds. And in the sea, God said, bring forth those things, right? But in verse 26, 
when he said, let us uh, make man in our image and our likeness, we weren't made like the animals or the, the birds in the air. This was a personal, sculpted, handmade, special to God. We weren't just spoken to come out of something. We were actually sculpted together by God. And in Psalm 139, David says, I praise thee, O Lord, for I am wonderfully, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Notice that we were created last on the sixth day of the grand climax of all that God has created in the creation week of miracles. The first act of God was to join the material clay with the immaterial the eternal, a living soul. This is what's gonna happen. This is what happened when God um, brought, um, breathed into the man. So right now I'm gonna put a picture. I'm gonna take you on a journey with me for a moment, and I hope that God will bring revelation and put this in your minds right now, as though you were watching a movie. So let's take this journey. Take it take this journey with me. So God is about to bring forth man. He is about to sculpt the clay and put life into it. And before we get there, I I need to tell you a couple things. And we're going to read Ephesians 1, 4 and 5. Why did God create these things? Why did he make them? Ephesians 1, 4 and 5 says, Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us into himself through Jesus Christ. This is what God our Father wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. So you can see that God wanted a family. God was already self-sufficient, all-loving in the Trinity within himself. Yes, he was. Jesus and with the Holy Spirit. But God expressed his love when he created everything from angels in eternity and human beings. And some might ask, did God already know that Adam and Eve were going to mess up? I have to be honest with you. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. And the Bible's going to show you. But because, like the verse said, he knew us as his children because he, we would be born again when we believed in Jesus Christ. See, in eternity past, when Paul talks about it, Peter talks about it, and even the prophets of old, you know, it's like God... In his, in his revelation of making room for something more than himself. Because he's, he's everything. But he made room for something more than himself thinking about us. Thinking about family. Thinking about things to pour his love into and in return to receive love back. A lot of times we have a problem with that. 
we do have a problem with that. We love everything else, but we forget to support all our love. You know that God loves us all day long, every day. And it says very clearly that God so loved the world, <laughs> messed up as it is, and sent his own son to die for us. But, again, in Revelation, it says something, it says something in uh, chapter 13, verse 8. And this is just to bring to you the, the thought of what I just said. Did God know that Adam was going to mess up? Well, we're going to find out right here. Because there's a part in that verse where God says, yeah, watch this. Revelation 13, 8 says, and all the people that belong to this world worship the beast. They are the ones whose names were not written in the book of life that belongs to the lamb that was what? Slaughtered before the world was made. That's how we knew that, God was that man was going to mess up. So you see, if God would have destroyed Adam and Eve there and then, that revelation of us being his family and his children would have also died if he would have destroyed the garden then. So you know that God knows everything from the beginning to the end. Before the beginning, all the way to the end and back. Well, he knew they were going to mess up. But the revelation of us was already him seeing us as his children in the future. So to get rid of Adam and Eve there would have got rid of all of us. And we would have never been here worshiping and praising him and looking for him to be our father and our savior and to live with him forever. Does that make sense? So here we go. Let's go into the garden. Let's, well, it's not the garden yet. But let's go to the, to the moment where, where Jesus Christ begins to sculpt this clay. And this is a story that I've always had in my mind. It doesn't mean it's correct, but it's just a picture, okay? So right here, let's come to, to the earth. And all the angels of the Lord are with the Lord as the Lord looks at his host and says, Behold, behold, this is the grand climax of why I have created for today, I will create what my plan was in creation, and it's day number six. So as all the angels come around the Lord, they see that the Lord begins to sculpt this clay, and they're watching him as his face is glowing, as he's putting this clay together and molding it into something, something which the Lord is looking beyond into the future, not only then, but he's looking at the future as he's sculpting this clay. Remember that God had us in his mind in eternity past so that we would be his children and live with him forever. Let us not lose that thought. That is the reason. So as God intensely is molding this clay, the angels start to whisper to each other, hey, that thing is beginning to look like, the other one says, shh. Let him finish. And the Lord is glowing as he begins to sculpt this clay. And then he steps away for a moment and he says, and all the host is looking at this clay. And they're saying, what is it? What is it? It's not like us at all. 
It's not even shaped like us. But then the Lord does something, and he breathes into this clay. The nose quivers. The fingers move. The toes move. And all of a sudden, this clay just detaches itself from the ground and also begins to glow. It begins to glow, and as the Lord is looking at this clay that he has just breathed into, the eyes of the clay look at its creator. And he begins to glow. The man begins to glow in the light of the Lord. And all of a sudden, the Lord picks him up by his hands. And all the angels are in awe of God's creation. And they see, and they say to one another, he looks like his twin, except that one is of the earth and one is, and the Lord is the creator of the heavens. So it was as, as though the Lord was looking at himself like in a mirror, but instead man was flesh. And as the angels are looking at the Lord and him, all of a sudden, the Lord turns to the host and says, just as I rule in the heavenly places and everything is mine, so man shall rule over the dominion of the material. He looks at Adam and says, everything here I have created for you to rule over. The fowl of the air, the fish in the sea, uh, um, the creeping things, and every animal. And the Lord says to Adam, I will now bring all the animals before you. This happens in, in Genesis chapter 2. The woman is not out yet. Because if you read Genesis chapter 2, you see that God spends some, a little time with Adam before he brings forth the woman. But he shows everything to, to Adam and tells him that he's going to rule it. And then he, Adam was created in full wisdom. Sometimes I stop to think and say, man, Lord. So everything that man knows today, whether it's to make a car or to make a computer or whatever it might be, to make a plane or whatever, all that wisdom was in Adam. You guys ever thought, think about that? God made Adam in full wisdom. Everything that he created was adult because he told them to be fruitful and multiply. They weren't babies. When he made Adam, he was also a full adult, full of wisdom and knowing who his creator was. So Adam named all, 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 his, all the creation, and that's what the names are today. Whether some people came up with some weird name about something, no, Adam knew that before. Whatever species it is, Adam already knew. But then as God brings everything before him, there is one thing, one thing. That Adam, you know, he has a question in his mind. And though it's not written like this, I can see Adam saying, Lord, everything that you brought before me has a, in the Hebrew is Isha. Man is called Ish, 
and the woman is called Isha, or man or woman, in, in our English term. So Adam notices that everything that God brought before him had a counterpart, had a she, right? Had a she, and as you read chapter 2, you know, it makes you think that God was discussing um, Adam. And um, so God knew that Adam had this question, well, Lord, if I'm supposed to rule here, and this is the dominion that I'm going to look after, and everything else has a counterpart, where's my she? But I like what Jesus says. <laughs> I like what Jesus says in John chapter chapter 12, verse 24. And, you know, it, it's crazy because of the way Jesus puts this. So he probably told Adam this, though he mentions it later in the Gospels. He says, I tell you the truth. I tell you the truth. Unless a kernel of wheat is planted in the soil and dies, it remains alone. But its death will produce many new kernels, a plentiful harvest of new lives. Now, we know that Jesus was talking about himself as the lonely kernel that would die and produce all of us. You understand that part, right? Does it make sense? It's important. Well, the Lord had to do the same thing with Adam. In other words, Adam, are you willing to stop to exist by yourself in order to be more than one? To produce more than one? And this is where that beautiful, beautiful miracle happens. Where God lays Adam to sleep. And he takes bone and flesh. He takes bone and flesh. Both things. Because if you read the word, it says, God took bone and flesh from Adam and he formed the woman. Now, to look at this a lot more in a more beautiful way, remember I told you from the beginning, God wanted a family, right? But look at what Adam says when Eve comes forth. When God brings them together, it was like two little children running into each other and embracing each other in so much love that God just smiled, and all creation celebrated that love, that love. But notice, notice one thing. Adam says, she is now bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. Now notice that it says that the Lord took Eve out of his sight. Not from his heel to be stepped, so she could be stepped on. Not from the head so he could be all over her. But from his side. To walk with him side by side. And the beautiful thing is this. The beautiful thing is this. The Lord was also thinking about you and me as his bride, as his church, 
in these days, in these last days that we are living in. The plan of God's family was for us to be with him forever. God's love has, I mean, God has shown his love from the beginning to the end. You know that in Genesis, when Adam says that, you know, you have to think about, you know, even though he gave Adam his sheep for the Lord God, still remained alone until Jesus Christ would come to the cross and his Jerusalem, his wife, will be brought forth. Because Jesus, too, I don't know about you, but when I, when, I, when I read about him being pierced in the side, it's almost like the bone and the flesh being taken out of him so that his, she, his bride could come forth, and that's you and I. So it is a beautiful love story. From beginning to the end. Because we know that when Adam and Eve messed up, even though God cursed the serpent and told them, oh, I'm coming for you to destroy you, he still made close to them. <laughs> he still made close to them. I don't know if he left the animal naked or what, or he just made something. But I don't know. But he did something. He did something. Maybe the animal was running naked somewhere, trying to hide after that. But you know what? Eve would become the mother of all living human beings, just as the bride of Christ, the church, bears spiritual children. Did you guys ever think about that? We don't just come here to sound good, feel good, and then go home and forget about this. This should trouble your mind. Not to be just okay. This should move you. To want to really seek the Lord, his presence, and his will. Yes, he gave us all these things and we enjoy them. But is he the most important person? Is he your first love? Is he your true love? Just like Adam and Eve were to each other. They both loved God in the garden. And the woman said she was tricked. You know, it's amazing how, you know, sometimes some of the things are hard to understand. But when you look at history in the Bible, when you look at things that our brothers and sisters went through in, in the New Testament, you'll notice that God never, never, never gave up on human beings. No matter how vile, how crazy, someone to go worship other gods, even his own people, the people that he chose, when they worshiped other things and made them mad. But his redemption plan from Genesis, from Genesis chapter 3, never stopped. And you and I are here today. So you, you, you might say, you might say, well, so what is the Lord waiting for? Well, I'll tell you like this. The Lord is still waiting for your love and devotion. Is he first? Is he the most important person? Let me show you something because remember that God puts them in the garden to tend it. So the first thing God gives man to do is work. If a man does not eat, he does. If a man does not work, he does not eat, right? First thing he gives man is work. 
I want you to tend the garden. The earth is going to produce everything. It's going to give it to you. But I have a garden. I want you to tend. Out of everything in the garden, you can eat everything, including the tree of life. You can live forever from now, from the garden. You can have it. All of that was freely given. But do not touch just one tree. The tree of knowledge of good and evil. Just the one tree. You could have ate of the tree of life and lived forever. But he chose the tree of knowledge of good. It was just a test. It was man's test. And like human beings, we always fail miserably, right? But thank God for Jesus Christ, right? Who redeemed us and paid the price for our mess ups so that we can have eternal life with him. So... Revelation, I want to show you something very beautiful because it goes to a garden, right? It starts in a garden. But in Revelation 22, in Revelation 22, 1 through 5 says, I'm going to read it because it's, it's a beautiful, it's probably, it's probably going to be up there. It says, then the angel, this is, I don't have the Bible. Then the angel showed me a river with the water of life clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb. It flowed down the center of the main street. On each side of the river grew what? A tree of life. The tree that was in the garden, right, that they didn't eat from. And it says, bearing 12 crops of fruit with a fresh crop each month, the leaves were used for medicine to heal the nations. No longer will there be a curse upon anything. For the throne of God and of the Lamb will be there, and his servants will worship him, and they will see what? His face. And his name will be written on our foreheads, and there will be no more night there, no need for lamps or the sun, for the Lord God will shine on them, and they will reign forever and ever. Remember I told you that in the beginning when God said, let there be light, it wasn't the moon and the sun. It was just his light. A light that he could have kept. But he didn't. He just made those material ones temporarily until one day we are in that light. So it started in the garden, and we return back to eat from the tree of life. And it is so important to know that. So we already understand today that God's purpose is for us to always be with him. We are his family. And no matter what struggles we have, no matter what difficulties, when times are good, when times are bad, your dependency and your thoughts and your heart should be fully on the Lord. I didn't think that way in the past. That's why my life was so messed up. I, tried, I thought I could do, you know, I knew better. When people came to talk to me about Christ, though I grew up in this church, I used to be like, no, 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 I know about that, I know about that. But I didn't make meaning to it. God has been changing my life for the past 10 years, but it, it wasn't until the last four years where God really, really got a hold of me. He said, it's all or nothing. You're either all in for me or not. And what does that mean, all in? Well, I realized that there were still difficulties in my life. There were still ups and downs. But when they came my way, 
my response wasn't like before. Before I, I mess up and I say, oh, God, I'm not good enough for you and take off. Pew, I was gone. This time, I would say, man, God, I'm guilty. I'm guilty. I knew better, and I did it. So that means that I truly did it on purpose. And when I, when I started to admit to God, yes, I did it on purpose because I knew better, something began to change because I wasn't making excuses anymore. And then what happened? My whole life began to change. My thoughts began to change. I started to look into the word. I started to, to read more. I started to really, really seek God and say, you know what, God? I really don't know anything. Holy Spirit, Jesus said you will be my guide and teacher. I really, really need you right now to begin to guide and teach me. So that is exactly what God is calling all of us to do. Listen, things will not be fully, fully what we call normal. Again, because after seeing so many people die, what is normal about that? Family members, people that we know that were Christians, they're no longer here. The Christians, for the Christians, man, Lord, you know, you took them home. So they're in joy. They're, in, they're celebrating that they are with the Lord. We have to grieve for us who are still here. And we still need to get out there and preach the good news of Jesus Christ. We should not be afraid. I mean, in a safe way, though. Wearing a mask. Go with your sword. Partner up with somebody, another believer. Speak the truth. Listen, you don't have to make up nothing. Just read it. Read it to them. It's all there in black and white. So, so when you think about this, in closing, even though our lives were interrupted this year, they were interrupted. Some of us, are still blessed to be working. Some of us are still blessed not to have gotten sick. But this always brings us back to knowing this one thing. All the promises of God from the beginning of Genesis to Revelation to the end God is keeping them and fulfilling them. They might not be how you want them to be, and they may not look like God is fulfilling the promises because we think so worldly. Our thoughts are so earthly, and God's thoughts and ways are way higher than ours. We can't even get close to how much God loves us. That's so hard to understand. While we were yet sinners, Christ died that means that while I was still doing wrong, God was still saying, I'm going to save you. I'm going to save you. I'm going to save you. You're going to belong to me. I know that because I knew you in eternity past. But we also have a responsibility. As the army of the Lord. To reach those. And like Paul said, to snatch them out of the darkness. And bring them and invite them into the kingdom of 
light. All it takes is an invitation. In our generation today, we see scripture and we hear the word of God saying, wake up church, wake up, wake up, wake up. How long will you sleep? How long will you slumber? How long will you take these things to be so light? God keeps no secrets from his children. He never has and he never will. Why? He gave us the most amazing book right here. And I always say that. I always say this. Read this. Read this book. It tells you what's going to happen. It tells you how we should live. It tells you about a relationship with Jesus Christ. It tells you how much he loves us and how much we should be responding in the same love towards him. You can't play with that. Christ is coming soon. Are you waiting for the sky to crack open? Well, no. That will happen at the end, during the great tribulation. But Christ is coming for his church. And we will disappear before that great tribulation, before the cracking of that sky. We're going to first meet him in the air, go with him. The great tribulation is going to pass, and then we will return with Christ in our new bodies to reign with him for a thousand years. Church, brothers and sisters, if you guys are watching, and brothers and sisters that are here, take every moment of your life in it. The Bible tells us that we should be living each day in expectancy. You should be expecting Christ. I know we got a lot of things that supposedly we got to do, but the most important thing is to wake up waiting for Jesus or going to sleep saying, Lord, if you come tonight, I'm going home. If you come throughout the day, I'm going with you. If you come in the morning, I will be there. We should be dependent, depending on God more and more every day. This is why he lets these things happen, so that we can say, Lord, I'm going to lean on you. I'm no longer going to try to do things my way, and I'm going to get rid of this so-called religious mentality that I know that, oh, I should be doing this and this and this, and that's going to make me or bring me some points with God. No. You know why we will go to heaven and be with the Lord Jesus Christ? Because of what Jesus did. It's what Jesus did that makes us right with the Father. So if you're playing church, if you're playing rules and regulations, and you think that that makes you right, then you've put your faith on you not on that beautiful grace and love of God. But church, let us lean on God. Let us trust him that no matter if we live or die, we know we're going to be with him forever. And for those of you out there who have never, never, never even thought of or are thinking about having a relationship with Jesus Christ, man, it's simple. If God has spoken to you today, and I know that this is the most important thing that he wants you to know. 
He loved you before the beginning. He loved you in the beginning. He loved you yesterday, today, and forevermore. And God does not desire that you or anybody else should perish, but that all should come to repentance and seek the Lord for their lives. Church, if there are scenes in your life and you saw that you had it all together, let's look again. The only thing that makes us together is Jesus Christ and putting our trust in him. And let us live right on right lives that please the Lord. That's why the instruction manual is so important because it tells you, hey, don't do this, don't do that. It pleases God when we obey him. Jesus said, if anyone loves me, he will keep my commands. But if you say you love God, you don't do what his word says. You only fool yourself. So brothers and sisters, there's a lot more that I would like to tell you. But because of our time, you can come to uh, Wednesday, Wednesday night Bible study at 7 p.m. And we could get into this into more detail. Since we have a limited time, I could only tell you little pieces. But there's so much more to learn. God wants us to know his word. Because the first thing Matt, uh, uh, Jesus said in Matthew 24 is, make sure that no one deceives you. If you don't know the word of God, you can be easily deceived. It sounds good, but it might not be true. Paul says that in the last days, people will be looking for what their itchy ears want to hear. They don't want to hear that sinners go to hell. <laughs> oh, but God is love. Yeah, but they forgot the last part, which is also a teaching in fire. So church, God truly loves us. Let us live each day as though it was our last. And let us reach a dying world. And with that, let's close our eyes. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your words. We know that all of this is because of your plan to love us and for us in return to love you. During this season, Lord God, where people remember Christ because of Christmas, Lord, I pray that Christmas would be every day in their hearts. In Spanish, the mas means more. And if we turn that around, it would say more Christ. So, Father God, I pray that within the next uh, few also lessons of this series, I pray that you would speak to your church, speak to your children, pour your love into us, and help us to understand that you will never leave us nor forsake us. You dwell. You dwell right now in your people. Right now, the mystery has been revealed to us, and that is Jesus Christ living in us. I pray for those that don't know you, that they would invite Jesus Christ right now into their hearts, and that you and you alone will be glorified. Thank you for using me, Lord God, to be a vessel that you speak through and work through. Thank you for working in my own life and helping me with my own struggles, which are many. But one day at a time, Lord Jesus, Father God, you love us and you help us. Thank you for the wonderful teacher, Holy Spirit. 
Father, we love you and we praise you. I pray that you would continue to be with us throughout the day, throughout the week. And Lord, I just pray in Jesus' name that this message would not leave the hearers here. That it would do something to them and cause them to repent and seek you with their whole heart. Thank you, Lord God, so much for your goodness. Just like the songs that were played today about your reckless love. You have gone to hell and back just for us. And you are everything to us, Lord. You are everything to us today because you have always been everything to you. Father, we love you and we praise you. Get us home safely. And Lord, bless your church all over this world. Now be with the poor, the needy, the orphan and the widow, and the sick and suffering all over the earth. Protect us from the evil one and all his tricks, Lord. This we pray in Jesus' name, and we say, amen. amen.